Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. The Bible is full of inspiring stories recounting the miracles performed by the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry. And surely, these demonstrate that Christ was none other than the Son of God. Yet it's interesting that many of the most touching stories are the ones that demonstrate not His divinity, but His humanity. It is His humanity that attracts us and causes us to love Him. The Gospel of Luke is particularly meaningful in this regard, for in Luke, more than any other book of the Bible, we see Christ as the man-savior. And I think that will be demonstrated very much before we're through today. And Francis Paul has joined us for more fellowship. Francis, welcome back. Oh, so happy to be here, particularly to enjoy this man-savior. As we mentioned, Francis, we've been seeing him again and again in the life study of Luke as the man-savior, the savior that is both God and man. One of the phrases that Witness Lee has used repeatedly in this life study is that in Christ, we see the divine attributes expressed in human virtues. That's really our focus today. We're going to look at three well-known stories in Luke that will clearly demonstrate the reality of this phrase and I think help a lot to bring it into a full understanding for our listeners. But before we begin, tell us just what we do mean by this phrase, the divine attributes expressed in human virtues. Well, man was created with certain virtues. They're his by humanity, but these are not uplifted and they're not so effective without the divine attributes. God's own divine attributes are in the human virtues of Jesus. He is both God and man, as you mentioned, and he has both the divine attributes and he has the human virtues, and his divine attributes are expressed through human virtues. But as you pointed out, the thing that attracts us mostly to him are his human virtues, Mm -hmm. just how he so uh, understanding and so patient and so kind. So many ways he's been demonstrated that way. But even in that, we still see those divine attributes expressed as the the real God-man attribute. Yeah, I think that's the the point today of uh, this program. What we will see as we look at these stories that I think most of our listeners will uh, be somewhat familiar with. On the surface, it seems that you're just seeing this marvelous humanity, which you are, but behind the scenes, what we're really seeing is the divinity that he possessed perfectly expressed through the humanity, and it's this mingling of the two that sets Luke apart and really gives us the portrait of Christ that draws us day by day. It certainly is so, and we have such a wonderful picture of him and all of his contact with people that expresses these human virtues in such a marvelous, divine way. Well, the story we want to begin with today, Francis, uh, well, at least to my 
feeling is one of the most precious in the whole New Testament, and that is the story of this sinful woman who found the Lord reclining a table in the home of one of the religious Pharisees. But during the course of the uh, event, she then took this opportunity and broke open this alabaster box, her most prized possession, because it contained a very sweet and uh, valuable ointment. And she poured this ointment on the Lord and on his feet uh, and made an expression of love that was so dramatic, the Lord even commanded that we would recount this story whenever the gospel is preached. So this is a, this is a wonderful and touching story, isn't it, Francis? Yes, it really is, a very touching story. Well, let's go to Witness Lee and hear him unveil this as an example of how we can see the divine attributes expressed in human virtues. Mm-hmm. The man Savior, after his full preparation, he began to minister. And his ministry was not only in his humanity, but in his human virtues. Not only with his divinity, but with his divine attributes. He ministered in virtues with attributes. Let me illustrate to you. In chapter 7, you know the story. A sinful woman came to the home of a Pharisee who invited Jesus there. You could see Jesus, the man Savior, acted or behaved in his human virtues. He realized that poor woman was convicted of her sins. Then you could see he was full of mercy. Mercy is more tender than love. You know what is love? Love means you love whom you like. Would you love a beggar? Would you love it, Robert? You may have love. You need to be merciful, to sympathize with the people in a poor condition. The Lord Jesus, no doubt, he exercised his mercy, his kindness, his patience. If you would go on, you could see he also exercised his understanding, and also his wisdom, and eventually his love. Then, what are the divine attributes there in Luke 7? Number one, forgiveness. Who can forgive people? Who can forgive people? In the whole universe, there's only one who is qualified to forgive people. Forgiveness is one of the divine attributes. Eventually, He told that woman, go in peace. Go in peace. Who can give people peace? The inner peace. Forgiveness and giving peace. Both are the divine attributes. Well, Francis, as we consider this story, we see a lot of things here. He named several. Mercy, kindness, patience, understanding, wisdom, and sympathy and then forgiveness of her sins and granting her, giving her inner peace. Some of these fall into the category of the divine attributes and some into the category of human virtues. Help differentiate here. I think this is a very good example that will help bring this uh, this phrase into a, a better understanding for most of our listeners. 
Well, this is really a marvelous story, isn't it? Because this brings out the humanity of the Lord Jesus more than most of the stories do. And you see what patience and what kindness and what understanding and what mercy he showed to this woman. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out that when we try to show mercy or we try to show love, we love whom we will. Right. But very seldom we show much mercy. And uh, he brought out a few examples of undesirable cases you would probably run across. But what would be your reaction? I'm afraid our reaction, even humanly, would not be so proper. But with the Lord Jesus, even his human reaction was filled with divine effectiveness. It was really precious to see the Lord forgiving her and telling her to go in peace. Right. We all know nobody can forgive but the Lord himself. And nobody can give an inward peace but the Lord himself, because these are divine attributes. They are not human virtues. We may forgive, but we won't uh, forgive that completely and that deeply, because we don't have that capacity to forgive. But God has that capacity, and he can forgive sins. And even the religious ones said, who can forgive sins but God only? That's because Jesus Christ is God, that he could forgive sins as well as show human virtues in such an effective and such a tender and sweet way. Right. So the forgiveness here that was demonstrated was the forgiveness that only God can effect. This woman, there's no account here that she had done anything particular to to offend the Lord Jesus. Uh, So his forgiveness of her was in the eternal sense, wasn't it? Meaning this had to be God's work of forgiveness. That's right. She was known to be a sinner in the eyes of the religious people. But for him, he knew her to be a needy human being, and he exercised his human virtues toward her, but with the divine attributes of forgiveness and peace that were imparted to her because of her need. Well, Francis, uh, I think it's, it's easy to draw attention to the divine attributes, those things in Christ that demonstrate this one really is God himself. But as you just described, uh, what attracts us to him in our day-by-day contact with him, our touch with him, is the same thing that had attracted this woman, and that is this humanity that surpasses anything that religion can offer. Amen. When we've experienced this kind of forgiveness, don't you love him? Oh, you do. Well, the next story we want to touch is uh, the story that has become known, oh, colloquially, as the Good Samaritan. Uh, It's in Luke chapter 10, begins at verse 30. I'll read a bit of it, I think. Jesus, taking up the question, said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who, having both stripped him and beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. And by coincidence, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, He passed by on the opposite side, and likewise also a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the opposite side. But a certain Samaritan, who was journeying, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion, and he came to him and bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine on them, and placing him on his own beast, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever you spend in addition to this, when I return, I will repay to you. Well, we can see some human virtues being expressed here, Francis. It's the divine attributes that uh, really make this story more than I think it's normally presented in most religious or Christian circles, isn't it? My, with some experience of the Lord ourselves, we can really see a lot in this story. Right. Here's a priest, a religious one, that passes by, And also the Levite, 
another religious person. But here's somebody, as it says, as he was journeying. He came there, you might say, intentionally, that he could meet his need. And this is really the Lord. He came to me that way. I wasn't beaten or half dead that I know of, but at least I was not in good condition. And the Lord came and met me, poured in the oil and the wine, gave me the anointing spirit and gave me the joy of the Lord, and even took me to the church and uh, told him to take care of me (laughs) until he comes back. So that's where I've been since, Chris. Well, we've all experienced, I think, this story being on the uh, the suffering side here, not the one who is the so-called Good Samaritan side. Yeah, right. We've been picked up by one who fits that bill uh, very more clearly than we do, Francis. And Francis, in addition to this story, and he's also going to refer to uh, his time on the cross there at the end when the two robbers were with him. And the one beseeches him to remember him when the Lord comes in his kingdom. This also is going to be another story illustrating this principle of the divine attributes expressed in the human virtues. Let's go to Witness Lee. Then we go to chapter 10. Let us see the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan exercised so much of the human virtues. But how could you see the divine attributes? I tell you, uh he brought the rescued dying one and put him into inn. For how long? No one can tell. Yet, he told the owner of the inn that you just take care of him. Whatever you do for him, I'll come back to pay you. I tell you, here, there must be something divine. Who can do the things unexpected? Who can do the things unanticipated? Only God. If he was not God... He was not exercising the divine attributes. How could he say, you do everything for him, then I'll pay you when I come back? Can you do something unexpected? Impossible. The unexpected doings will be and should be and must be the divine attributes. Then on the cross, that thief asked him, remember me. Remember me when you will have your kingdom. He expected to be saved far, far away. But the Lord said to him, Today you will be with me in the paradise. Here you have the human virtue plus the divine attributes. Who can tell a person, Today you will be with me in the paradise. This is not just a human virtue, but also the divine attributes manifested in the human virtue. How could he do this? Because he was a man, filled with God, equipped with God. He was a God-man. So he can act in human virtues with God's attributes. I believe just few illustrations may help you to understand. He ministered He carried out his ministry in his human virtues with his divine attributes. Well, Francis, uh, two more stories that I think give us graphic examples uh, showing us this principle of the divine attributes and the human virtues and how they were come together in this one man, Savior, Jesus. And uh, the expression here is, is really marvelous, as we saw in both of these stories, isn't it? It really is marvelous, and particularly when you compare it with God's creation of man, 
when he created man, he had a man that was created by God, but he did not have God in him. Mm. And that man, he fell by taking something else inside of him other than God. And that made it impossible for him to meet the test that would come on man by Satan. But I think with these stories, we realize that this was a God-man, a man fully equipped with God, a man equipped with all of God's attributes, so that whatever he expressed in his human virtues, it contained also the divine attributes that made that a benefit to all the recipients of his kindness and his grace and his mercy. So there was something in this wonderful Lord Jesus that was not in any man other than him, because he's not just man, he is God. He's a God-man, and he is the man-savior. Because of his humanity, he really has a heart for us, and because of his divinity, he's able to meet all our needs. We get all of God's attributes imparted into us. I appreciate you brought that up. We had that fellowship in one of the messages we covered about how Jesus has compared to Adam. Not only was he up to the test, but even uh, in Adam, we saw one whom the devil, the serpent, came after. But this one, the man Savior, it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he knew he would find the serpent, the devil, and face that temptation and uh, overcome him. Because he had a different kind of equipment, didn't he, Francis? That's right. He was fully equipped with a divine nature to meet the enemy in any ground. Well, immediately following that test in the wilderness, which we saw, and I think uh, all of us realize who have uh, read this portion of Luke, the Lord overcame Satan. Then he initiated another stage of his ministry, and he did it in a very interesting fashion. In chapter 4, it says he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And according to his custom, he entered on the Sabbath day into the synagogue and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away in release those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. Francis, I want to uh, go back to Witness Lee, and then we'll have just a minute or so after we hear his portion to have a final concluding fellowship on this matter of the Jubilee. It really is a marvelous portion in Luke. Here's Witness Lee once more. He began the ministry by proclaiming the Jubilee of grace. He went to a synagogue and picked up Isaiah, and turned to a portion, and he read to them. That portion says, Now is the acceptable year of the Lord. When he came to minister, that year, that time, was acceptable to the Lord. The acceptable year is a special term in Hebrew. Denoting what? Denoting the jubilee which is fully depicted in Leviticus chapter 25. The year of Jubilee, the year of release, the year of freedom, the year of return of your lost property. He was anointed with the Spirit to bring good news to the poor, not only poor physically, but also poor spiritually, to proclaim release to the captives. 
and recover of sight to the blind. Blind, physically and spiritually. Then he said to the people, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. I don't believe those people understood. All were marveling at the words of grace. Listen, from this time, the actuality of the dispensation of grace began. Before this time, the dispensation was still under the law. It was a dispensation of law. But from this day, the day that the divine jubilee was proclaimed by the man Savior, the dispensation of grace began. Francis, I recall when we were back in Leviticus uh, hearing about the Jubilee at that point in time, that was a special provision in the Old Testament uh, ordinances that called for uh, a special year every 50 years. Every 50th year was set aside and uh, all, all of the debts were forgiven. Any lost property had to be returned. The slaves were set free. Quite a uh, remarkable time. And yet here the Lord Jesus is referring to himself as the reality of this jubilee is he begins his earthly ministry, it must have been quite a shock to those listening, don't you think? I'm sure it was a shock to them and, and not even well understood by many people today. But this year of jubilee, the 50th year of a long period, up to that year all kinds of persons will be fully released and freed. You have the sole property would be regained back, returned to them. And if you're a slave, you'll be freed. The year of jubilee, the year of release the year of freedom, the year of return of all your lost property. This is a year of grace. This is a returning of all the things that were lost through the fall. Mm. And even uh, this is a picture of Christ as grace coming into you to be everything to you and freeing you from all these negative things so that now we're freed from slavery, freed from the loss of those things that were gone. Now we have a real new beginning the year of Jubilee. And in the New Testament, we sum all of this up in, uh, with this phrase, the age of grace, which was really initiated right. at this juncture in the Lord's ministry, wasn't it? That's right. That was the beginning of grace when the Lord Jesus announced that prophecy. So we're still in our year of Jubilee, aren't we, Francis? We are. And we have to enjoy it day by day and praise him that uh, this man, Savior, who has come to us in uh, his divinity, mingled with his humanity, is really the one who is our release, our freedom, and has recovered our sight and returned all that was lost, as you said, in the fall that has plagued and scourged us from the beginning. Francis, we're out of time. I just have enough time to give our listeners our toll-free number and invite them to contact us about the printed Life Study messages. I am really enjoying this Life Study of Luke. To see the man Savior in such a way every day, it's a real enjoyment. Thank you for your fellowship and your help today. Thank you. All right, that's all free number, and uh, we hope you'll use it to contact us about getting these printed messages. One eight 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 Life Study. That's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, 
Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture, John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.